0: This time on episode 477 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk the 2023 Disney Plus show Secret Invasion, episode 4, Beloved, and weekly Marvel Studio news, including sag after officially going on strike after negotiations end with No Deal and Bob Iger is going to keep running Disney just a little bit longer. I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy Podcast, a wacky weekend morning show part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D. debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among
1: agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director.
2: And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren.
1: I'm Agent Michelle.
3: And I'm Agent Chris. I'm producer of this show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel comic universe fan show discussing all the Marvel properties as told on screen by Marvel Studios. The show's recorded on Saturday, July 15th, 2023, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Studios and broadcast Saber-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. If you didn't
1: already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel. Because she's super and everyone's a duper, watching this Luther. Makes us
2: real troopers. If you'd like to tell us about your favorite piece of poetry or song, because let's face it, songs are poetry set to music. You can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. If you
0: want to come sing us your favorite song, maybe we can play it. You know, it depends on if we can get fair use or something like that. But if you want to do that, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844 843 two eight seven one
1: you can share your favorite poems with us on facebook on our page legends
2: of shield podcast you can either link us to some of your favorite poems or show us some of your micro poetry at twitter at legends of shield
0: if you want to do an interpretive dance to your poem show off all your mad skills there make sure you tag us when you do it over on youtube at Geek.
1: You can share your long-form poems on our Discord server at gunnageek.com
2: slash Discord. And remember, Legends of Shields is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Hey, we got a full house. We got all our agents
3: here today. How's it going, Lauren? You weren't with us last week. You feeling
2: better? Yes, I am.
3: Good. So, we're going to talk about the next episode of secret invasion y'all had a chance to watch it right Mm -hmm. yes Yes. i need
2: verbal confirmation here (laughs) this is an audio medium
3: (laughs) all right so we're going to talk about it and here we go Secret Invasion, Episode 4, Beloved, premiered on Disney Plus July 12th, 2023. Michelle, there have been some epic IMDb descriptions with the series.
1: Let me get ready for this one. Beloved, Fury must make some hard sacrifices.
3: I get the sense that the writer strike has <laughs> definitely impacted the IMDb descriptions. Has anybody noticed with any other show like maybe Strange Worlds or something like that how their IMDb descriptions are?
2: I'd say maybe they they got ChatGPT to write their <laughs> descriptions, but it actually does pertain to the episode, so maybe not. <laughs> I think a lot about
1: the show that the IMDb descriptions can just be one sentence. Uh-huh. This is the
0: only current thing I'm watching.
3: Oh, okay. Well, it, to be honest, this between this and Strange New Worlds is the only two things that I'm watching, and I haven't looked at Strange New Worlds, and I think we're still early in the strike to the point where they could have paid somebody to do it beforehand, before the strike happened. So I don't know how it applies across the board. Anyway.
2: I'm checking Warrior, which is the other thing I'm currently watching. Okay. And their IMDB descriptions are much longer. Yes. All right.
3: Well, like I said, it might still be early where they might have prepaid somebody to do it. And uh, I guess Disney just either didn't want to or this is what they wanted or whatever. So we'll just leave it as it goes. First impressions, Lauren.
1: At least it was short. 35 minutes. Thank goodness.
0: I believe this whole series is what of Fan Times refer to as the slog.
3: Still reading the book need to get some episodes in on that. I know season two is coming out in November, I believe, September. September of Wheel of Time. So I got that. And as far as this show, I do think I have been really critical about it for the first three episodes. Still not entirely embracing, loving, you know, wholeheartedly. This is the best thing ever. But I will admit this episode at least was better than the first three. That's my take on it.
1: Michelle's pattern. No, stop. Analyzation of Disney plus Marvel shows. Correct. Again.
3: Yeah. Stop (laughs) ruining it. Jeez. Just stop. I mean, in the future. Being right. Yeah. Maybe they should stop being predictable. In the future, you know, maybe we shouldn't look at an episode or a series until it's episode four, because we've had this going on. You know, on Twitter, we asked the question, what is your favorite? Disney Plus Marvel series, right? And WandaVision came up. What If came up. Falcon the Winter Soldier came up. And those are some of the big things. And I would think on the flip side, you're in the, eh, I don't know, Loki, the way it ended, it's like, eh. although it was interesting throughout. Loki was interesting throughout. And the rest, I mean, we've talked about him already. She-Hulk and everything else. It's just, eh. And it's not like we hated She-Hulk. We actually enjoyed She-Hulk at the beginning. It's the storyline and the ending was just, ugh.
2: I liked it. I liked it a lot more than this. The whole thing,
3: including the ending? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Here is somebody's opinion that is relevant. All right. We're going to start talking about what happened in this episode in that, oh my gosh, I am so shocked that a person close to the president turned out to be a scroll and it was Rodi. Shocked am I.
1: I'm shocked. Shocked. (gasps) Not that shocked. I think Chris called it last time.
0: I mean, I did, but this was hardly one to be really proud of getting right.
3: So, what struck me on this episode, of course, he had already revealed himself. But when they were fighting at the coming out of the airfield, when they were fighting, Rhodey just he stayed in the car. He's Mm -hmm. got a super suit, right? He's just like checking his Twitter. Like, dude, get out there. Do something. You're bulletproof, basically, with the suit on. And I know you got to have it with you if you're the true Rhodey. So get out. And he didn't. So if I'm the president, it'd be like, what happened, dude? Why didn't you get out there?
1: Well, I think he wanted either the president killed or captured. And he seems to be more like a manager because he wanted Priscilla. That's the wife's name now. We know really what her name is. It's Priscilla. Thank you, subtitles. And people finally actually saying the name more than once. Because he wanted her to kill Fury. And then she's like, no. And then he's like, oh, well then you can really see what I can do, which is blackmail and pay other people to take the blame for killing or not killing the president while I sit with my hangover. And as Lawrence, said, probably checking the MCU's version of Twitter.
2: Have y'all discussed the actress who plays Priscilla's connection to Sam Jackson yet? Nope. Okay. I wanted to talk about this last week and then wasn't here. So, this actress has actually been in a couple of movies with Sam Jackson before, as his character's mother in Unbreakable and Glass. You, We're just going to let that one sit.
3: That's on par (laughs) with Tom Hanks in, not Sandra Bullock. Gosh, what's her name? In Forrest Gump. Oh, Sally Field. Sally Field. They actually played romantic interests a few years prior to that.
1: Just saying it happened. Hollywood is weird when it comes to women. Women can be in their forties and still it's so weird. Like Denzel Washington was in a movie and his love interest was like old enough to be either his daughter or is almost like his granddaughter. And I think in The Graduate, Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft were like maybe 10 years apart or 12 or
2: something mm-hmm. like that. It's like
1: good grief, people. Wasn't that kind of the
2: point of The Graduate, though? Well, she's supposed to be like the age of his friend's mom.
1: Yeah, they end up... Yeah, they're supposed to be... Dustin Hoffman's character is supposed to be the same age, near the same age as her daughter.
2: Yeah. So it's you check IMDb and it's always like, so-and-so played this character's mom, despite only like an eight-year age difference.
3: And the converse has been true, too, where you've had older guys with really young women throughout his the first time i was oh, really yeah. exposed to this was a john wayne film it was the train robbers and it was the last time that he had any sort of romantic interest that was a young leading woman and then after singing
2: that- in the rain debbie reynolds was 19 and gene kelly gene kelly was 40 way to go hollywood right <laughs> i'm
0: not sure that that was actual roadie in the car i'm not sure that we've actually seen actual roadie
2: I don't think we have. I think he's been a scroll this whole time.
0: What's really thrown me in this is when he's sitting there with fury and they bring out the nice fancy whiskey and he, he says it's fire. He is the new guy that Gaia brought to the camp. Hmm.
3: I think Rhodey is in one of those strapped things that is feeding everything to whatever the name of the scroll that's playing him. So. We've never seen the real Rhodey in this entire series.
2: I saw when I was checking for episode summaries because I was like, just making sure I didn't miss anything because let's be real. I had a really hard time paying attention to the last few episodes. They mentioned somebody mentioned, how long do you think Rhodey's been a scroll? And their thought was since sometime after end game, but before this series, when do y'all think?
3: Well, I know it wasn't during, Civil War, because that was real rody he, he got his back broke. He would
2: have been able to, in all the... Well, no, I, it would have been real rody until probably some point after Endgame, I think.
1: Was it real rody in Falcon and a Soldier? That's the question.
3: I don't know. Possibly not. I mean, did he show up in the suit? I don't think he did.
1: No. No. He's only been in like...
2: Yeah, he was in one episode Talking to Sam after they did that whole thing at the museum, right? Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm.
3: I tend to think that was real Rhodey just because of the impactfulness of that scene where Rhodey's talking about the meaning of Sam putting on the cape, so to speak. I think that would have to be real Rhodey and not a scroll, But maybe, I don't know. So sometime in there. And then the timelines is all witt- wittily, wonkily. You don't know when that happened and when this happened.
2: Maybe we'll find out by Arm Wars. He can be like, oh, they grabbed me this time. Maybe
1: that's how this show ends. Okay, Michelle's going to call it. We're we're going to get either Gaia finds Rody and Rody makes an appearance at the end. And actually, we get a rhodey Rody fight, perhaps. But I think this is going to be one of the ones where at the end we're going to get an Armors War, some sort of Armors War teaser or like at the credits sort of deal. Like with Rody going like, I'm back or like, I am i can't believe this happened to me and I'm pissed or whatever. I don't know. But I, I think we're going to get the reappearance of real Rody at the end of this series. Michelle's calling it. There we go.
3: Talking about Gaia. She's now a super scroll and she came back. So she wasn't killed, but she came back. This has got game of Thrones written all over it for me. And I'm not liking it because first we lose agent Hill, director Hill, then we lose guy. A guy comes back and now we lose Talos. So how many people are going to die? How many people are coming back? Are people coming back from here on in? I don't know.
2: So it reminds me less game of Thrones and more current marvel comics where characters are being killed off and brought back for very little reason we'll talk about that in the news also it feels like the end of every episode just exists to piss me off (laughs) like first we have hill dying and then we have gaia and now we have talos and it's like come on guys it's it loses its impactfulness after a while which I guess, yeah, that would be the Game of Thrones effect right there. Right.
3: And Jon Snow's dead, he came back, and you know, I stopped watching before that, but I heard about it, so that's why I equated it to Game of Thrones. Just, who am I supposed to root for here? Am I supposed to root
2: for Fury, and he's it? I don't know. I feel like that's the implication. I don't... It's so frustrating, because Sam Jackson's good at playing the role that he's playing. But I feel like the story itself is just not being well served by the story.
0: And the fact that he just left Tallow sitting there at the end, like not even yelling for somebody to grab him and bring him to the car. That's just heartbreaking to me. Like you've got this guy who literally went and died for you. I realize you got to get the president out. That's important.
1: And Well, it's president greater than Talos. And since Talos isn't a super scroll, I think he is dead, dead. And I think we're going to get that. Hey, Gaia, your dad got killed by your boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, wannabe boyfriend. I do not know. And she's going to be like, oh, no, I have to get. This is what's finally going to get a spark under my butt. And I'm finally going to do something in these last two episodes. I finally got
3: some notification or some motivation for Gravik in all this because Gaia meets with Talos and he's like, yeah, I'll tell you what, this is how it's going to end. We're going to do this, this and this, and then it's going to enable us to stay here. And she just looked at him and was like, you are delusional. And if he has been one of the main reasons why they've been basically placated over the last 20, 30 years, then I can see Gravik's motivation of, yeah, this is not okay. We need to stand up for us. We need to be in our own skin, even if we're on this planet. So I'm starting to see some of the motivation that Talos just was not taking care of his people he was deferring to the hosts of the planet the entire time which you know isn't bad but you also have to have the other discussion of how can we start integrating how can we start having our own colony like the as guardians you know how can we do this
2: and it never came up it's very much graphic has a point but cool story still murder I feel like Talos here is being kind of, if you want something kind of contemporary, Talos is very much the centrists in government trying to placate the far weirdos on the other side. And Gravik is, you know, the young current generation who's just been living with this all their life and seeing that nothing gets done and is really upset about it. Which, again, definitely a good motivation.
3: The scene with Fury and Priscilla in the kitchen, dining room, whatever, in their little home cabin away from whatever, that was, I think, well done. And I didn't know how that was going to end. You know, when they both had the guns on the table and they were both getting to the point where they were just going to shoot each other. You never knew who was going to shoot who, what was going to come out of that. I thought that was a good scene.
2: Okay. So... Let me make sure I've got this story straight. So the Priscilla that Fury initially met and fell in love with was a human. And the scroll no okay scroll
0: the whole time.
2: Skrull the the whole whole time? time. Okay. I didn't because she said that she had replaced the real Priscilla and promised her, like, yeah, I'm gonna still be a daughter to her parents and I'm not gonna hurt you, which made me assume Okay, so was this originally the human Priscilla that he met?
0: No, human Priscilla was just somebody that Scroll Priscilla met through the hospital and met Fury afterwards.
2: Yes. But then how would original Priscilla have known Fury? She talked to
1: original Priscilla about Fury. Okay. And
0: it wasn't necessarily Don't Hurt Fury in a super super literal sense there it was don't hurt this person that you're going to go out and love in a more general sense
2: oh i always assumed it was don't hurt him emotionally i always assumed that well either way like i said it's all kind of up in the air it's it's so confusing and not in a way that really has me interested it just has me confused
0: I mean, the whole nature of this show and the scroll's shape shifting ability, anyway, we don't know who anybody is and we don't know what matters because anybody could have died and been a scroll or not. We don't know.
3: Yeah, we at this point, if it wasn't for outside world articles, don't really know if Maria Hill actually died or not. Yes, due to Colby Smulders saying, This is it, there is no more of the character in the timeline other than her projects that she's got going on. Now, that could have been a ruse where she comes back later, but you know, if you're just watching the show, you don't know, but if you're reading the news, you know.
2: Well, even then, remember after Infinity War when everyone would be asking Chadwick Boseman, "What are you going to do in the next movie?" and he's like, "I don't know. I'm dead. My character's dead. What do you expect?" Fair. Just absolutely held on to that. Yeah. Well, Like I said, I
3: think this episode was better than the first three. And I don't know if if we had to suffer through the first three in order to get the backstory in order to get this, or if this episode was really written better. The performances have been good the entire time. I can't knock any of the performances. It's not like, oh my gosh, the acting sucks in this. That's not the case at all. It's the story and it is the actual production which is kind of a writer, director, producer issue in my mind.
1: Indeed. I know they said they had that retreat. I think they played Scrabble during that retreat and maybe spent five minutes on like, okay, we'll do this. What about a timeline? Oh, they won't care. They love us so much. We're the cow and we deliver the milk and they just drink the milk. Now we got a basic timeline. Let's play Scrabble or Mario Kart or whatever it is
2: they did.
0: I think they messed up and grabbed the Mario mushrooms.
2: I think by your analogy, this teat has mastitis. Okay.
3: Well, aside from the last two episodes of this, we have the Marvels coming up in the fall here. And that will be one of the first like team ups and consolidations of different things, because you're going to have photon from one division. You're going to have captain Marvel. You're going to have Ms. Marvel and you're going to have fury and Hill somehow. I don't know how that's going to happen. Flashback. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that will be the first indication that I have of whether or not they're starting to turn the tide here because they need to turn the tide in my opinion.
2: I really hope they do. The Marvels look so fun. I just... I kind of want the fun back. This has been such a slog. It has just not been any fun for me.
3: I mean, we had Across the Spider-Verse, which is really a Sony thing, and that was fun. We had Doctor Strange 2. Uh, very which dark. had
2: fun elements.
3: It was very dark, though. Right?
0: But it was
2: fun dark. Yeah. It's scary fun.
3: Okay, if you're into that. Yeah, okay. I am. Yeah, I know you are. I'm not. So <laughs> it was less fun for me, I guess. But
2: yeah, I get that.
3: I liked Eternals. Nobody else did. But I like grand sweeping timeline sort of stuff. But that hasn't come up really since.
0: So I don't
2: know. Eternals had its moments. Still should have been a TV show. Agree.
0: And This should have been a movie. Just swap spots.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it originally supposed to be a movie?
3: I think so. I think so. It's, it, Armor Wars was supposed to be a movie, and it went to a series.
2: Or was it the other way around?
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be a series. Now it's a movie.
3: Well, we had Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Which was fun. We all mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania.
1: I know they tried to make it light thought it was fun fun but meaningless but meaningless popcorn is fun
3: yeah Mm -hmm. we had black panther which was sad yeah but good extra sad because of chadwick right thor love and thunder uh,
1: tried to be fun too much guns and roses had its moments As a child of the 80s, for me to say too much Guns N' Roses, that's (laughs) a lot considering how much Guns N' Roses I listened to when I was a child of the 80s.
3: And I don't know how much Thor we're going to have anymore because Hemsworth is basically taking a a serious break from his life because of possibility of future health issues, right? And you can't deny anybody that. I know women have mastectomies to stave off breast cancer in the future. And that actually was one of the Eternals actresses.
2: Yep. Angelina Jolie, very famously.
3: Yeah. And then we had black widow, which
2: I thought was fun. Yeah.
0: But fired in a bunch of real world crap.
1: Yeah. But it shouldn't have taken so long to get a black widow movie. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
3: So that's it. That's been the phase three so far. And We'll be in a phase four. four.
2: We're on like
1: five.
3: We're on five now. That was phase four so far. And now we're in phase five. That's what I meant to say.
0: Mm -hmm. I I think part of the problem with the series is we're looking at it as an individual series. And if it was part of, like, if the MCU was just one giant TV show, then this would just be a few episodes that aren't as good. But because this is labeled as a different series, then it needs to be good all by itself and watchable all by itself. And I don't think it is.
1: You know, that's one of the things my students, again, I've been teaching for 20 years. My students, I'm not old enough to be their mama and they've grown up with this. Some of them, they're like, it took me three weekends to watch all of the Marvel movies, just the movies, because they thought they had to in order to, you know, watch something new. When they learn I'm, I'm a nerd, they're like, how many? Okay, Miss Lee, do you like Marvel? Yes. Okay, which movies do I really, really need to watch? I don't have time to watch all of them. Like, here are these kids, they feel like they have to do homework and, in order to enjoy something, and they already have to do homework that is assigned by their teachers they shouldn't have to do homework in order to enjoy a piece of entertainment and i read an article that sort of like reinforces about how a lot of the mcu products it's like they don't end like quantum medium really didn't end it was a setup for kang my mom thinks that Loki season two is going to is like the sequel to something or like the like the movies are going to be the sequel to Loki season two. It's becoming. Yes, Chris, it's like a TV show. But one of the things I've I've liked about modern TV is that they've realized certain series realize when they need to end. Marvel needs to realize when it can phase this part out and move into a world of mutants and the fantastic four
3: it's not just the mcu that you would feel like you need to do homework another disney property star wars i mean the series that's coming up right now ahsoka you can watch that probably and it hasn't come out yet without seeing anything else and if you like it you like it whatever but i'm betting that you cannot watch Ahsoka and get the full impact of that without watching all of the Clone Wars, Rebels, the other stuff that, uh, like the Mandalorian that Ahsoka has appeared in. I'm guess- just guessing that you can't go into it without watching multiple Star Wars properties and get the real full impact of it. Now, it's a gateway drug if you go in there and you like it, then you can go the back stuff if you haven't seen it before and, and go on with it. Harry Potter stuff is the same way. There's lots of stuff out there now that's like that of, do I need to watch all this stuff that's been out there before? Fast and Furious. Cheese, popcorn, car, stealing, racing, theft, heist movies, right? But do you really get the impact of it without knowing the backstory?
1: Oh, the backstory's a mess now, and it's no longer about racing. They're superheroes now. They've already
2: gone into space. It's a mech anime.
1: Yes, yes. I will defend Harry Potter because Harry Potter was seven books, and that was it. Like, it ended. I really, okay, I'm going to take a moment. I know because you've brought up Game of Thrones, and that brings up, for those of you who are fans of Game of Thrones, I feel for you the fact that your series- of books will probably not come out and that the only thing that you have are those last two seasons, which were awful for Game of Thrones. And if you notice, they were so bad that Game of Thrones has just fallen off of pulp culture, like nobody really talks about it anymore. That's how bad it was. So I feel for you because it seems like Mr. Martin has too much Else on his plate that he's
2: gotten into, and his live journal. So, there you go. It's really reminding me of. So, I was really, really, really into the Star Wars novels, the ones that are now legends, and I read all of them. But as it was starting to come to about 08, 09, I remember thinking, it is gonna. there's so much stuff here, it's impossible for new people to get into it. Because this was right around the time that DC was doing New 52, and there was a lot of complaining there. But I'm like, no, this is actually a smart idea because there's so many years of backstory that new fans have a hard time jumping in. So this is pretty good. I feel like maybe Star Wars needs something like this. Maybe Marvel needs something like this. And then we got the movies. And now the movies are at the same point. I love having so much stuff that I like, but at the same time, the problem with that is that it makes it incredibly hard for new people to find an access point. I kind of wish they'd do what fans have done with the Discworld Book series, where it's, yeah, there's, you know, these multiple sort of interconnected series. But it's like, okay, well, if you like this, this is the book to start with. This is the series to work with. If you just want to read the standalones, here's what you work with. And I kind of wish we had something similar for the MCU right about now. Because, again, you shouldn't have to go back and rewatch the 20 whatever movies and however many series we're up to right now just to watch the one thing that you're interested in.
3: The way to get around that is just to have a really good series. And this, in my opinion, so far, the first four episodes is not really good. So, Michelle, you had a note here about Olivia Coleman, who plays Sonia.
1: She wasn't in this episode. Boo. She's one of my favorites. She's so good. And the fact that we didn't get her in here, which I think was a great episode to put her in, considering. That she got to like slip away and it, maybe Furry's going to meet up with her or something next episode. that cannot have been the last time we have seen Olivia Coleman. If the last time we see her in this is her torturing someone and then her getting away and then that's it, I am going to be more upset than I am I it's going to make this series even worse I
0: mean that's not a plot thread being left that's the entire spool.
1: yep chris anything
0: else i mean the timeline here with this is still it's part of why i can't figure out what matters in all of this we know that this is probably somewhere at least 2025 just because blip ends about 2023 fury spent years in space so i'm gonna call it at least two years So we know we're 2025 or later, but there's nothing really here to tie you to when this takes place. And in itself, that's not really a problem, but you have this giant interconnected set of stories, and I want to know what else was going on while this is happening. Even if it's a definitive, this is farther in the future than everything else. I want to know that nothing was going on or what was going on.
3: Yeah. Sharon Carter would be great to have in this and the interconnection back to Falcon, the winter soldier. Right. But I don't know. There's just too many pockets of stuff going on. And this is the way the comic book world of Marvel operates. Anyway, you have these pocketed stories that happen, whether it's in name books or special runs or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know if it's translating well to the screen.
1: What are the ways they could redeem what they did in Valkyrie and Winter Soldier? Sharon Carter, the one that we saw, Scroll,
3: which we've been saying ever since the series, right? So yeah, I'm all for that. I think that would be better for the character rather than what they did, but I don't know. I mean, it would explain if the, you have a million scrolls and they're trying to get in there in order to, I don't know, get uh, weapons and whatever, it would be good to have a person. In the position like Sharon Carter was. So, yeah.
0: And then unfreeze Haley Atwell and make her come back into modern yeah. times.
2: Freeze her? Yes. Why is she frozen? Why wouldn't she be frozen? I know. Like, how else are we going to get her? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It'll be fine. Time travel, time travel. Okay, we can do time travel. Yeah, that's it. I don't care. Loki
1: goes, gets her from that weird timeline.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> but at some point, you have this to put her This is
2: my back, apology though. to you, Captain <laughs> Carter. <laughs>
3: Captain Carter, nice, nice guy. Well, Captain Carter is part of what if, so she's in there.
2: Loki goes
1: and it's like to that weird timeline where she is, where she's with Captain America. Loki appears and he's like, Hold on, I'm like the good one. We need her for some things. She'll be back to you. It'll seem like 10 minutes. Go have dinner. She'll go and do some stuff and we'll have her back in time, you know, for you know like when dinner should when you have dinner done like or something like that i think that would work okay
2: lauren you got anything else for this episode i do
3: okay let's hear it
2: so when roadie was talking about how he's like yeah i i was the one that fired fury i it was a ddt from the top ropes it was like the undertaker so roadie scroll roadie The Undertaker did not do top rope DDTs. If you wanted to use The Undertaker, you should have said it was a tombstone pile driver. If you want to compare something to a top rope DDT, what you really want to do is compare Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay in this past January's Wrestle Kingdom. That was amazing and extremely scary looking. So it was good. It was a good thing to say top rope DDT because, yes, those are devastating. You used the wrong guy. I say as I'm wearing a wrestling t shirt.
3: Yeah, I heard that the AEW is very impactful and emotional this week.
2: Oh my God, yes. And I will talk about it forever if we don't move on. Okay. In short, if you want to talk wrestling to me, you can talk to me on Twitter. We'll do that all after the show. Okay. Anything else? That was it. Okay. That was it. That was it. All right.
3: Well, next time we'll still be covering Secret Invasion episode five. So stay with us. That. that will be the penultimate Secret Invasion episode. I believe it's only six episodes long, so that's what we get. And then we will discover what we are going to be doing after that. And there's a lot of variables to that because of what we're about to talk about in the news. You guys ready to talk a little bit about that news that Agent Waffles alluded to before?
2: Yes, let's go.
3: Let's do it.
0: Bob Iger was originally supposed to be running Disney stuff until 2024, but that's not really going to happen anymore, because now his contract has been extended another few years, and he's going to be doing it through 2026. Don't forget that Bob Iger left Disney at the end of 2021 after serving as the CEO from 2005 to 2020. and. Bob Chappick kind of, what's the polite way of saying this? He did not do a good job with this. So the Disney board came and said, hey, you know, Bob Iger, we we want you back. We want you to come try to save our bacon and make us not suck. So he did. And now he's going to be here even longer. And we will see what that does with some other news that we will talk about later.
3: Have you guys seen the statements that he's been making about selling off the TV brands. I have not. Yes. So I have brought up in the past, the fact that Apple has been interested in buying Disney. They might not want all of Disney. They might just want the TV and film part of Disney. So yes, they could. I don't, I haven't seen anything, but I could see this as Iger was brought on for that short interim contract to make the deal with Apple. I think the board now knows it's going to take a little bit longer. So that's why his contract's been extended to 2026. They're still making arrangements. He's making platitudes. There's been announcements. He stated that he would be interested in selling off the TV properties. I think this is going to be a negotiation. I think it's going to be a negotiation in the press where we're not wittingly knowing what all these statements are really for, but I'm seeing the writing on the wall. Apple is still interested in buying at least the digital properties from Disney.
1: So instead of Disney Plus, we would have Apple Plus?
3: Apple TV Plus, yeah, it exists already. Oh, K. Okay. That's where Foundation is. That's where the morning show is. There's several properties over on Apple TV. They're premium shows, so to speak. They don't do like the fluff shows that you might see on Netflix or whatever. They're they're premium shows. Apple wants to be known as a premium brand, at least for now.
1: I know in the article it's talking about the theme parks, how that is slowing down, a run of theatrical movie disappointments, accelerating pay, TV declines, which that makes sense with your story SP, a soft advertising market. Another worry is negotiating Fair deal with Comcast for 33% stake in Hulu, which costs Disney at least $9 billion to retain. So it's also wanting to shove Hulu off to Comcast. I never would have thought we would have seen the day where Disney wasn't big capital D. Yep,
3: we're running into this issue now, which is why I keep on bringing up that possibility i'm not going to say it's going to happen 100 but the possibility of apple buying the digital products from disney when it was first flooded everybody's like this doesn't make sense why would apple want the theme parks why would apple, apple want all that disney has but it would make sense if it was just the, the digital stuff but without the digital stuff do those theme parks make sense i mean i don't know
0: i mean do the theme parks make sense anyway right now with people not being able to afford a place to live
3: mm-hmm. the trips to disney for families have been something that people have it, it's basically a once in a lifetime trip if you if you have a, a family if you're middle class and you have a family you get like one shot with your kids down to disney and and that's it unless you go down there for like a sports team or a special event or competition something like that you get one shot down there because it is so expensive to take a family of four down to disney is somewhere, for a week, is somewhere in the ten to $20,000 range. Yes, you could do it cheaper, but really, if you do the, Disney, the traditional Disney experience, it is that much when you account for travel, lodging, tickets, and everything else that's going on.
2: Yeah, 20, 30 years ago, my parents could bring me and my sister to Disney World. You know, they did it a couple of times. Now,
3: no. I've just had... Uh, we have several people in the office that go down there on a regular basis. Like they have uh, the vacation plan and stuff like that. It's basically a timeshare that they go down for. And if you have something like that, it becomes uh, something that you can do, but you're limiting yourself and your vacation time to, I'm just going to Disney. It's very similar to buying like a lake home or a beach home or something like that. If you take a vacation, you're going there. And some people just don't want to do that. They want a little bit more variety in their travel. And if you do that, the trip to Disney is going to cost you a lot of money, four or five people, something like that. So it makes it difficult to go down there and it makes it difficult to actually experience a place. Another thing that's probably impacting the park attendance is the international travel. So every time I've been down to Disney and in my lifetime, I've been down there several times. But every time I go down there, there is a huge international presence. Like people come from all over the world to experience Disney World. I'm talking about Florida, not California because of the global pandemic people are still afraid to travel and they haven't been able to travel so the international presence in florida has been a lot smaller than it has been in the past so that's probably impacted their park attendance as
1: well and also people are afraid to come here i don't know if you've paid no there are people in europe who do not understand a lot of people just don't find america a big tourist destination anymore not when they've got all this other stuff to do,
0: and even people that are already living here, you're in Florida, and
1: that's not exactly the best place to
0: go for a nice chunk of the population.
3: Well, now the ocean temperature is like ninety degrees. The surface note ocean temperature is above ninety degrees. Wow! I mean, from a, from a vacation perspective, you're like, this is great. I can get in the ocean and don't have to worry about being cold or anything like that. But it means it's hot. So,
2: a few years ago. I was a seat filler on a family vacation to Alaska. And while we were on the boat, I remember looking out and seeing an ocean sunfish. And I was like, oh, my God, I never thought I would see one of these. And then I realized, wait a minute, I don't think they're supposed to be this far north. And they are not. And I saw like three of them on that trip because the oceans are warming up to the point where they can range farther north. It's not great.
3: The Northwest Passage is navigable for several months out of the year. And when we were growing up, it was hard frozen over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, stuff is warming up. I don't want to get into a climate change argument. Right now, but yeah. anyway,
2: Lauren, you have another news story. I do. So it's, this is comics news. The Marvel star Iman Volani is writing or is co-writing a new Ms. Marvel comic. If you've paid any attention to Marvel Comics news in the past month, you know that there was a not very popular decision that was made regarding her character in a Spider-Man comic that she showed up in. Spoiler, they killed her for Peter Parker's man pain. But because this is comics, she's coming back. It's only been like a month. The big revelation from the tv series remember when they were like oh you're a mutant it's like well that's interesting she's an inhuman famously in the comics well now she is going to also be a mutant according to iman Volani in an interview from entertainment weekly i want to make it very very clear that we are not retconning her in human origin That's part of Kamala's identity that Marvel Editorial and myself would very much like to keep and protect, Balani says. Our book will absolutely reflect all those core themes of identity that the Ms. Marvel comics have consistently explored. Only now there's a whole new label that Kamala has learned to accept, has to learn to accept. It's going to be pretty crazy. So in Marvel Comics past few years, the X-Men now live on Krakoa, the living island, and have been able to resurrect dead mutants. which you know it's fine for the people whose favorites have been killed off or are consistently killed off because it means they come back but it's one of the, again one of the things where it's like well now death is super cheap even more so than usual in marvel comics it's going to be interesting to see where this goes as an aside there was a whole thing a few weeks ago with somebody accusing one of the comics writers i believe of assault and then it turns out no this person is kind of an unhinged fan with an obsession with the inhumans who found out that oh they're going to turn her into a mutant and freaked out and this person has a history of doing stuff like that so it's kind of upsetting to me that that's on my mind when this this should be this whole interesting character Turn, I guess. So, you mentioned something
3: interesting that mutants can be brought back, and that's yes. the way that the Marvel comic universe is going forward. And we're dealing with all these deaths in Secret Invasion. And we're talking about Super Scrolls in the case of Gaia Maria Hill. Maybe the reason she comes back is she's a
2: mutant. Okay, if that's how they introduce X Men into the comics or into the MCU. I'm not sure I'll be happy, but I'll be interested. I mean, they already
3: introduced it with Ms. Marvel because she was labeled a mutant already.
2: Yeah. Now, the question is, will we get by Polly Wolverine?
0: We better.
2: We better.
3: Did you guys see and we're going to talk about it in a second. But did you guys see the Deadpool three filming picture of Wolverine with Deadpool? Did you guys see that?
1: Yes, And the white right
0: suits and everything.
1: Yeah. Yes, the yellow. Yes, yellow. That
3: does have me excited. Chris, Michelle, any other comments on the uh, Miss Marvel stuff? No.
0: I'm disappointed that I can't see what any of the other covers are besides the A cover right now. But I also know Adam Gorham doing the art is going to be good. I had him on Play Comics to talk about the Blue Flame which vault released a few years ago. The art on that was really good. This is going to hopefully be good, but this is definitely one that I'm going to get pulled at my shop. And the only question is which cover am I getting? Unfortunately, there's no peach momoko cover, so I have to actually make a choice.
1: Oh no. She took
3: an issue off. Oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) She's really good. I like her stuff. All right, Michelle. Michelle. We've been dancing around it the entire episode. You get to talk about it now.
1: It's official. SAG-AFTRA is on strike. Contract negotiations between SAG-AFTRA, the labor union representing more than 160,000 performers, and the AMPTP began early June, with SAG-AFTRA's most recent contract set to expire June 30th. When that date Arrived though, both sides agreed to extend their negotiations for under two weeks, paving the way for a strike at midnight on Wednesday, July 12th. Among the key issues on the table are streaming residuals, artificial intelligence, and pension and health contributions. In June, more than 1,000 actors, including A list names like Meryl Streep and Jennifer Lawrence, signed a letter to SAG AFTRA urging their union to secure a transformative deal with studios and streamers, and confirming their intention to strike if the deal wasn't made. This will mark the first time since 1960 that Hollywood's actors and writers have been on strike simultaneously. The Writers Guild of America has been on strike since May 2nd, following months of unsuccessful negotiations with the AMPTP. With both unions now walking off the job simultaneously, summertime industry events like San Diego Comic-Con and the Television Critics Association press tour have been Upended as has the twenty twenty three fall TV season, and I just want to note for, for perhaps people who don't understand the importance of something like residuals or for those who are not familiar with how American television works because maybe you are in a different country, residuals are I'm going to use I'm not going to use the the name of the actor or the TV show because I want to you know keep his privacy. When I used to live in LA, I met an actor who was on a successful sitcom back in the late 80s, early 90s, I'm going to say. And he used his pay in order to buy him a home. Now, I've joked about the Hollywood Hills, but it is true. There's the two sides. And he went, Look, when you say you live in the hills, people get impressed. But he just went, Shell, I want you to know I live halfway up and halfway in on the, um, valley side which but he still lives in hills meaning but still meaning his house was fairly reasonable back then price wise he was able to keep that home and maintain it because that show had multiple repeats and it went into what's something called syndication so it's shown different channels different times of the day and when that happens Actors and writers, they get a piece of that money because advertisements were still being sold. So that's how in the traditional, before we had streaming, you would have television, there would be commercials, people would be making money. The actors and the writers were like, hey, when you sell that show, there's still advertisements and people are still making that money. We deserve a piece of it and that's why residuals and streaming rights and getting paid for that fairly is important because while he was great on that sitcom his role was one where he got stereotyped it still it wasn't the type of role that made him a superstar it didn't really open up a lot of doors because of the way the role was and because of residuals, he was able to maintain his home, maintain his lifestyle, work on independent stuff and do odd jobs. Without the residuals, he would have lost his home. What's interesting right now, because I was, I was talking with mom about this, when you've got, you know, we've talked about like Game of Thrones, it's on my brain, and it has months of production. And we've talked about how Netflix shows have weeks and months of productions. People who are below the line, and I'm talking the electrical and the camera and the makeup and the everything, they're having longer times of employment than the writers are. And that's one of the reasons why the residuals are important to writers. It takes a long time to write a script. It takes a long time to lay those foundations. And then, when you've got this nice longer production time, I remember when I used to work on like independent things, when people knew something like below, they're called below the line. When they knew something was winding down, they were immediately making phone calls to so everybody they knew in order to get another gig. And the prime gig was a TV show because then, back then, they knew they would have like that 20 the 22 weeks of, of work. That was like, everyone wanted that prime TV gig. That was the dream.
3: I had an interesting conversation at work because I was talking to a lot of people that just didn't understand everything. And I said, the two main reasons why the actors are striking are residuals and AI. And I was trying to explain to them because they, they are interested, they watch a lot of stuff, but they just didn't know the ins and outs. I said, one of the things that the AFTRA was proposing, for actors anyway, was to bring extras in, second tier characters in, scan them for a day, and then have the rights to that likeness forever. I said, as a working actor, you can't deal with that. You go into a a production house, you get scanned, and then they can have your AI likeness forever, which means you are not ever needed for another job, as long as they can AI put you in. So you have no prospects for future work. And they're like, oh, okay. And then as far as the residuals go, I brought up the specific examples of shows that they were currently watching and said, okay, take a look at friends or you know whatever that you've watched in the past. And you came home in the afternoon and you watched them on syndication, right? Every time that a show is syndicated, the actors and the, the writers, due to previous strikes, they, ha- they get some residuals for it. Maybe not as much as they would like, but they get some residuals off of that because the advertisement dollars that the syndicated channel is being able to put onto it. So they're able to throw some money back for it. That's how they're able to afford it. And that's how they choose a series. Like when I was a kid, Gilligan's Island was on in the afternoon because while well, everybody was watching Gilligan's Island, that was something that they could monetize. With a streaming series, and you take your pick of the streaming series. I brought up WandaVision. I brought up Game of Thrones. I brought up a couple. And I said, once that is on, that's it. You get paid for it being premiered. You never get paid, depending on the contract, I guess, but you never get paid, if you're a writer, for the residuals of that. If I watch the first episode of The Morning Show on Apple TV+, Plus, the people that are behind that aren't going to get residuals from that. They just got a one-time paycheck. And everybody's like, okay, well, uh, I can kind of see that now. If they're benefiting from it, then that benefit should shift around. But that is not widely known. So I kind of commend both unions for taking the strike and just enabling the education going on for different people. So that's my standpoint. I have another point, but Chris, what do you have to say?
0: It's a giant example of kind of what's going on in the labor market anyway, right now in America. And the main criticism I'm hearing is oh, these actors getting paid millions of dollars. Why are they going on strike? It's like, but no, the vast majority of the actors are not getting paid millions of dollars. It's the same thing as when sports leagues. And those players go on strike. Like, yes, you've got your people that are well-known household names that are getting paid a ton. And yeah, you know, maybe Aaron Judge doesn't need another few million dollars on his contract, but your career minor leaguers that are getting called up to Major League Baseball level and get that lifetime of health care because they were on a roster for one game. like It's the small people on that level are the reason why all of this is important. And it's the fact that all the writers and all the actors have come up, gone into the business with the idea of the pre-streaming world and how everything was working there. And it wasn't perfect, but you got your residuals and everything because streaming didn't exist. So that's the only way that there was to distribute the show and now that streaming has come in it is a way for the studios to make money and hide that from the people who are directly responsible for making the show itself and just the world is changing and things need to change along with it It, and it's not even just to make it fair it's to keep the same level of fairness that there was before
2: So, you mentioned that the AI thing is one of the big contentious points. In the past like two days, I've been seeing a lot of people who work as background actors and some principal actors who are saying what they've seen were like, Yeah, I got scanned. They told me it was for something else. And then I showed up in the background in some other show and I wasn't cast in that. John Hodgman on twitter it's an actor podcaster comedian in response to the colliders article about that this is true i've spoken to somebody who's seen background actors being compelled to have their faces and bodies scanned at the end of their day's work no additional compensation to replace these actors with digital props in perpetuity so the money you get paid as a background actor not great i mean you show up for a couple of hours work and it's like what two hundred dollars a day something like that. So imagine you show up, you get paid $200, and they can use you, your face, your body, whatever, forever. You never get hired again. You are always in the background of shows that you had no part in, that you may not have wanted to be cast in, that you may not agree with the message of the show. Voice actors are seeing kind of the same thing right now, where a lot of voice actors are having their voices scraped, basically, by AI and used to say absolutely horrendous things for a laugh on TikTok. And a lot of these actresses, I know Erica Lindbeck was one who was really upset by that this past week. Again, I think I've, I've talked before on this show, there are legitimate uses for these programs. A friend of mine doesn't have the use of his hands as much as he used to. And still wants to make visual art for himself. So he trained a program on his own work and is like, okay, I can see these things that I see in my head again. This is cool. That's fine. Or some, again, somebody training something on their own work. James Earl Jones signed an agreement to let Lucasfilm use his voice as an AI program to be Darth Vader. And again, he's alive. He is the one that signed it. It is for a specific purpose. This is not what's being proposed. This is not something that the AMPTP is willing to discuss. It's infuriating. It's sickening, in my opinion. The other point that I wanted to make
3: is that the last time two unions were on strike in the entertainment industry like this was 1960. And there was pretty effective because they ceased everything. I think this is a different time. There is no way the four of us have seen everything that's available on the streaming services that we are subscribed to. And this multiplied by the entirety of everybody that's depending on this. I think it's going to take a lot longer to have the same effect on the industry as these strikes were in the 1960s, where you literally had the three main networks. That's all you had. PBS in there too, but you had three main networks and you had, I don't know, I want to say 60 movies coming out a year. It's probably less than that, probably more like 40 movies coming out a year. Now there have been hundreds of movies that come out a year and I don't know, thousands of TV shows that have been placed on streaming service every year for the past few years, which means there is a backlog for everybody to go and watch. So they're not really dependent upon, hey, let's watch the new thing. We were just talking about going back and catching up to several different IPs. And if you've not seen everything Marvel related and you're like, Hey, this looks interesting. You can literally watch that stuff for years and not run out of content if you've not seen it before. Right? So I think the impactfulness of this strike is going to take longer, which means it's going to hurt the people that are in the industry. That's affected, because basically all the productions are shut down. So not only affects the actors and the writers, but it's going to affect everybody else that is working on the productions. It's going to hurt a lot of people. So the studios are probably, and I've seen some stuff, I don't have anything to quote right now, but the studios have said, let's just wait this out. Let's wait till October, November, and people are going to start to hurt by that time, and they'll be more amenable to come back to the table.
0: Which is just disgusting.
2: I just saw a thread by a guy named Sean Kelly who is a freelance writer at StorySug on Twitter. The funny thing is that everything the studios are demanding are the sort of short-sighted business bro garbage that's been costing the industry millions. And if the writers and actors win, then the studios will be forced unwillingly back into profitability. They've basically been running a, the producers over the past few years. If you, you're not familiar with the plot of the producers, there's, certain productions are more profitable as losses for the studio and it's one of the reasons why they cancel a lot of shows that why they've been canceling a lot of shows recently and this thread is a really interesting thought out look at that and at a couple of other businesses that have recently filed for bankruptcy bed bath and beyond instant pot toys r us sears GameStop, it's this really interesting look at the economics of it. I very highly recommend reading the thread just to have a little bit more background on why the studios are so reluctant to actually come to the table and make any reasonable deals. They just want to dive into their Scrooge McDuck money bins and it's gross. Well, that's
3: capitalism and that's how it's all set up to begin with so it's the playing field that is in front of us whether right or wrong it's the playing field that is in front of us so maybe we need to change the field how do you do that
1: well we're seeing well, it right now striking yeah nobody has any money right now ha- we're millennials and you know and every and younger getting blamed for ruining the diamond market the housing market the car market and i'm sitting here going we don't have any money to buy anything.
0: The diamond market is a marketing ploy made by De Beers. Yep. The housing yes. market was ruined by people going Airbnb and corporations buying up housing so that they can do whatever they're going to do with it. A lot of times demolish yep. it for office space. And the office space is the reason why a lot of companies are forcing people to go back to work because they're having to pay for the office space. So they want to have yep. it be used. Goodbye, your work from home.
3: Well, and there's some studies that have been accomplished that say in some work environments it's better to work collaboratively in person rather than working from home. It depends on what business you're in. Some businesses it depends it works, what
2: business, yeah. But you're also taking a big morale hit. You're seeing this in. I'm starting to see this as an outsider in some engineering fields that people I know are in, and. People are upset and companies are reaching out that are specifically saying, hey, we will let you continue to work from home. And I feel like we are going to be seeing a backlash to that return to work, return to the office thing within this next year. Maybe. I mean,
0: I've been a, my job right now. It definitely does benefit me to be in the office and do things like there's no argument there. But do you know how nice it would be to be able to grab the stack of things I'm trying to get done and just do it from my house and have everybody leave me alone and not ask me the stupid little interrupting questions? I can get a day of that a week.
3: Yeah, there's compromises to be made, too. Some companies do like two or three days a week that you can work from home, but two or three days a week that you come in the office and everybody's in the office at the same time so that they can uh, interact and have that collaboration, that in-person collaboration, right? Right. That's integral to some teams in the office and that sort of thing. Personally, I would love to work from home. I can't because of what I do. I have to go into the office. So it's uh, not a discussion for me. I have to go into the office. But I know a lot of people that get to work from my son. He's one of those two, three days of the week where he gets to work from home part of the week. And then he has to go in the office part of the week as well. So I see it both ways. I see it from people that can work from home and I see it from not it depends on the corporation and it depends on what they can afford and it depends on what is profitable because again that is the system that we're in and i just don't see a way to really change it yes strikes can move benefits and money around to a certain extent but if there's not the money there to begin with then you can't do it and some industries have money and some industries don't have money so it it just if you're in the pharmaceutical industry you kind of have to be in the office to do the experiments on the pharmaceuticals to actually do the production and that sort of thing you have to yes some sales can be worked from home but they're out of the office anyway
2: can real quick can i drop some very good and agents of shield slightly related news yeah go ahead okay this is why if you're watching the video my face just made a face Possibly my favorite book series ever is a trilogy by the author Bernard Cornwell called, uh, it's the Warlord Chronicles, but the first book is called The Winter King. Well, they dropped a trailer for it. it is, it's an Arthurian legend book, and Ian de who we all might remember from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is in it as King Arthur. Well, Arthur Pendragon. He's not really a king in the series, but.
3: Leo as King
2: Arthur. Okay. <laughs> yes. Leo Fitz. Is King Arthur, you guys. Leopold I'm so excited.
0: I mean, if that's not perfect casting, I don't know what is.
3: (laughs) I'm having a hard time looking at it, but...
2: Oh, I... Keep an eye out. It's going to drop later this year. I'm so excited.
3: (laughs) The point of my second point was just to say this is going to go on for a while. It is. I see no... Indications that this strike's not going to last, which is going to impact TV shows for the fall. It's going to impact movies that come out because everything stopped. Like we talked about Deadpool 3 and that production before of both Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds in their costume suits walking. That production stopped. Everything stopped. The only things that are going on are educational stuff and some children's animation stuff right now. And that's it because they're covered by different agreements.
2: Yeah, anime dubs are still going forward because most anime dubs are not union. A lot of video games are not union,
3: so you wouldn't get across the Spider Verse. That counts too because it's a feature film.
2: Yeah, but things like again, most anime, anime very specifically is non-union, with very few exceptions.
3: Now there'll be stuff that comes out that's already completed. Like I'm assuming, yeah, there's stuff that's
2: coming out, that's completed. Stuff that is equity in the UK is still going forward. Like house of the dragon is not a SAG production. It's equi- It's actors equity in the UK. Okay.
3: So like Dune, I assume had completed production and that yes. will be coming out yeah. this fall. I'm assuming that, but who knows? Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately this means that even if they wanted actors to come in to do ADR, they couldn't at this point. So you have the recordings that you have.
2: Yeah, there's, again, those who don't know, I do voice acting. We are all kind of trying to be on the lookout for people trying to sneak actor voice matches into our inboxes. Oh. Yes, that is a thing that may happen.
3: Non-seg yeah. covered, yeah, okay. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. All right, so with that spirited discussion, I think we all need to do what, Chris?
0: I think we should all just grab ourselves a drink, probably some real fancy whiskey, and just try to calm down a little. We all need it.
3: Thank you very much for continuing to download and listen to us talk about the latest Marvel comic universe property, Secret Invasion. If you like comic book sort of stuff, there's a lot of other stuff going on. A lot other shows going on on the to Geek Network. You have smoking and drinking in space, and smoking and drinking in capes, covering heroes. They're in the middle of season three right now, and my condolences to them. <laughs> you also have the play comics podcast by agent Chris with us here. He will talk about that in a second. And then you have capes on the couch, which details a singular comic book superhero character and their mental health and how they would be treated if they went into a treatment. So that is all to be found on the get a geek network.
1: Thank you to everyone for listening if you made it through our discussion thank you very much we know there is a lot of things out there to consume and the fact that you take time to listen to us even if you're you know dusting or doing your laundry at the same time again you could still be listening or watching something else and we appreciate it that you take time to listen to us and we like it when you
2: interact with us on twitter and of course our discord Thank you to my wonderful co-hosts for keeping this train going forward at all times. And yeah, just very glad to have y'all listening to us. Let us know what you're thinking of Secret Invasion or of any of the news stories that we've mentioned.
0: Yes, everybody who listens to this, no matter what you're doing while you do it, it's great. And like SP said, if you want to hear... People talk about video games based on comics. Go check out Play Comics, where we've already had Lauren. We have SP scheduled for an episode, and we're trying to figure out what Michelle's going to come on for. I have some ideas.
3: There's one other podcast on the Guinea Geek Network that I want to mention. It's Adventures in Aurelia. If you like playthrough D&D podcast, Damien over there does a fantastic job of producing it. It is really like an audiobook, the sort of thing that Agent Lauren gets involved in. It is phenomenal. So catch that out at Adventures in Aurelio, found at goodageek.com. Until next time, I'm Director SB.
1: I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle.
0: And I'm Agent Chris.
3: We'll see everybody next time. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: $5,000 bottle of whiskey. Wow.
0: <laughs> I'd be all over that. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, Go to gunnageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin MacLeod found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
3: I did watch the time travel episode of Strange New Worlds. That was one of the better time travel episodes i've ever seen I need
1: and to heartbreaking
3: up. yeah th- i guess that's why cuz there was real consequences to the whole thing yeah so, probably on par with yesterday's enterprise
2: that's the one where they go back to the trouble with triples episode you
3: no know, yesterday's enterprise is when the enterprise c comes back and they have ah. to send it back to restore the timeline yeah ah. and that's uh, where uh, denise crosby comes back
1: oh right 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 okay okay yeah and and like city on the edge or forever
3: oh that's phenomenal yeah
1: Yeah. i i don't think it's there but it's it's in like the top five like i think at astra the episode before i think that's that was an amazing episode i
3: cried at the end i'm I'm, I'm serious i had tears i was like this is emotional
1: i know a lot of trek friends it's like we don't want to say anything too soon but it's like we, we, it's like one of those, it's like, you know, when we say inner light, Dharma, mm-hmm. you know, like the mo- moonlight, you know, from DS nine at Astra from here, it's, it's going to be. And the meaning of that say
3: of that Latin is, you know, important and relevant even today to the stars with hardship. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Legends of shield is copyright 2013 through 2023.